0: Hello and welcome to Radiance and Resilience. I'm Betty Parker, your host. Well, we're here with another episode that I'm really excited about. I think this entire season has gone so well simply because I've been able to bring to you some really special guests who are well-versed in all of these topics around racism and discrimination and prejudice and how they impact us in our work life and in our home life. Today is no exception. I'm joined by two licensed professional counselors, Reese and Felisa Palmer, a husband and wife team who own an office in Columbia, South Carolina that offers psychotherapy, marriage counseling, family counseling, all things necessary to keep us on an even keel mentally and emotionally. They're going to talk about how racism and discrimination impact us psychologically and emotionally how we sometimes are generating anxiety and depression because of the way we're being treated out in the world. So take a listen, stick around after the break. They're going to bring you some great information that I think will enlighten you and hopefully help you. Stay tuned. Well, hello, Palmers. Hello, Betty.
1: How are you? Hey, Betty, how are you? I am
0: great. Hey, Reese. I'm so glad to have y'all with me today. I have to tell you, I have been on this quest for the entire season of Radiance and Resilience of talking about all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm trying to, I say one conversation at a time, I'm trying to change the world, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at different perspectives of it. And I think the the whole emotional aspect has a big part to play in this and it's not discussed enough. So that's why I have you two on board to talk to us a little bit today about you know, what we go through when we feel like we're facing discrimination on a regular basis. I mean, I mean, not every day, but there are some people who seem to be predisposed to, especially in the work environment where they may have a boss or somebody who um, constantly shows some type of unconscious bias or they face all these microaggressions in the workplace every day. You know, what how what kind of emotional impact could that have on a person?
2: Wow. I mean, Betty, when I think about it, it, it is so many la- layers of it, right? Um, so when you're talking about the the long-term impact emotionally on an individual that feels, um, and I'm going to add also the terms oppressed or marginalized, right? Because they all kind mm-hmm. of fall under that same category of being discriminated or uh, against or, or treated unfairly. I think there's so many things emotionally that happens to us. I think first and foremost, we begin to experience a sense of powerlessness, right? And so this, this, this idea of self-agency and being able to do things for ourselves, we begin to lose that sense of power and control over our lives and our future and our destiny. And I think that, you know, it becomes, you know, um, uh, definitely related to feeling like you have no voice, you know? So being powerless also um, typically looks like not having a voice, not having the ability to uh, to speak up for oneself and advocate in a way that will help change uh, the, ine- the inequity or the unfair treatment. And so we feel powerless, we can feel very hopeless. I think also a lot of times emotionally, it can present in us as anger. Mm-hmm. And when we're oppressed and marginalized and this goes on for a long period of time, and we have no way to really express it, you know, that type of uh, repressed or suppressed anger builds into rage. And Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of times when we see things like, you know, um, rioting, and the looting and the destruction of property, this is not something that just happened because of one particular watershed event. This is typically Mm -hmm. the buildup of people. A marginalized group um, feeling powerless, without a voice, without any um, self uh, agency, um, and and it's just it it just over time begins to build and build and build. And when there's no expression of that, there's no release of it, then it turns into rage. Yeah. And so I think um, so that's a very very common I think emotional response um, for for those who may be more um, passive it may turn into um, a learned helplessness. Mm. So, so a sense, again, of, you know, um, things that that they may, in fact, have within their power to control. There's a perception that there's very little that they can, in fact, control. So it's like a learned helplessness. And then that can lead, obviously, to depression and anxiety and all types of, you know, um, mental health Uh, disorders that affect our mood Mm -hmm. and our overall well-being
1: and somatic symptoms
2: absolutely definitely somatic symptoms you know
1: um affecting your your high blood pressure you know um your your state of just your body you know you don't want to get out of bed you don't you feel very tired and beat down and just Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about that Mm -hmm. but it shows up in your body and even at the cellular level these these things have a long-term effect, and, and it's generational. Believe it or not, mm. you know this can be passed down from one generation to the next.
2: Absolutely. And so
1: even um, as a mother carries a baby, she has to be very careful of. And we're we're pretty familiar with that, right, Betty? As moms, that, right? You know, Mama told you, you better now, you better settle down now, baby girl. You're carrying that baby, <laughs> in you and that baby's gonna feel everything, right? So I just remember those words, and that I had to stay calm during a pregnancy, and. I just have to be aware of what's going on in my body. Right. So these things affect us long-term, just at the cellular level.
0: Right. Right. And I even think about in the household, too, you're mentioning kids. So what we are feeling, whatever we bring from the office or even out in the community back into the household, it manifests itself in different ways. And kids are very keen to figuring some of that out. You know, they might not be able to put a name to it or a word to it, depending on their age. But they do, I think, sense that same anxiety that their parents might be feeling. Don't you agree? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. In fact, you know, the problem just comes down to stress. You know, when our parents when the parents are exhibiting stress or it's um, coming out in the way that they speak to their children, the way that they interact with their children, when they experience uh, stress in the workplace, you know, they could even experience it riding the train or or driving down the street or even walking into a store. You experience that stress. Of course, you're going to keep your cool. Many times we keep our cool there in those situations. But where do we let it out, Betty?
0: Mhm, when we mm-hmm. get
1: home, when we get home. And so our children can sense what's going on. They can sense potentially harmful situations. And for them, if they're seeing it vicarious, that vicarious trauma experienced from their parents, they take that on as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. They observe it. They, they sense mom's um, anxiety. They sense dad's depression. They feel helpless in that. Mm-hmm. And so that affects their self-esteem. That affects the way that they react. Sometimes they are, they're parentified. They have to step up and they have to take control in the home when normally they wouldn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes mom and dad are so tired, they, they just go to sleep or they're not really interacting directly with their children. So there's so many ways that this can affect our children. And eventually, again, it causes inflammatory reactions in their body. And that leads to health problems with our children. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we're we're seeing in our practice lots of children coming in with, you know, generalized anxiety disorder and um, just total depression. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. kids are behaving um, adversely. They're acting out. They don't know what to do with those feelings. So, of course, they're going to act out. They're going Mm -hmm. to um, you know, bully perhaps it's gonna, you know, um, portray onto other children because they don't know what to do with that.
0: Right. you know what, and this is this is deeper than most people are willing to go. And I, I don't think it's too far a stretch to say, you know, because of what we're facing in our society today, a lot of, not a lot of, but I think it do, it is a contributing factor to some of the breakdown in the family. Because I would think between a husband and wife, if I, if I'm, I have no idea what it is to be a man these days, and certainly not a black man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to even act like I can speak for them. But I'm just just thinking through this. If mm-hmm. I'm a black man who has to go on a job that um, I, I don't feel really respected on that job or appreciated for the work that I do. I know that I'm not getting paid the same amount of money for the same amount or same type of work that maybe my white counterparts are getting. Um, I've tried to deal with it. I've tried to uh, address it with those who are in the, positions of power and they seem to just ignore me dismiss me or say I'm overreacting to it and I feel kind of trapped so if I'm feeling all of these things that you just described I may come home and I might take it we tend to take things out on the people who are closest to us so i now I'm arguing with my my wife or I'm yelling at the kids or whatever the deal is but it's coming out in really uh, destructive ways and so I, I I don't know. Do do you think that could be um it, it can contribute to some of the breakdown in relationships that might occur in minority families?
2: I uh, absolutely, without a doubt. Um I think it absolutely contributes to the breakdown and the fabric of a lot of minority families. Um I think that it is, you know, again, um the adults, uh, the parents, um, the, the, the leaders of, of the home and the families, you know, everybody is susceptible to these um, emotional, um, the, the emotional assaults of, of, their, of, of themselves. And so um, it, it, is, it is very much the, um, the pattern of when you're feeling powerless uh, out in the world, you feel like you have no voice, you're, you're feeling like there's nothing that you can do. Uh, all of those negative emotions get expressed in a place where it's safe um, and unfortunately, it gets expressed in many ways that is dysfunctional, and that creates uh, a lot of wear and tear emotionally um, on the family because that's the only place where I can express you know um, for example, as a black man you know if 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 I have to be very, very careful about you know, the way that I express myself um, in the workplace, whether I'm a blue collar worker or um, a, a white collar executive, I always have to be very careful about how I'm perceived. I never mm-hmm. wanna come across as being aggressive, even when I might be just being very assertive and very driven and very um, you know, um, ambitious. I always have to be very, very careful about how I'm being perceived by others. And so, you know, it becomes very, very burdensome emotionally mm-hmm. to yes. not just be able to be your authentic self. And you always have to kind of check. And, you know, we have this 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 new term going around called code switching, right, mm-hmm. where, where you have to be very careful if you're not, you know, in, um, in close company with with people who look like you, you have to be careful about how you speak. You know, there's, there's certain ways that you have to even express yourself uh, and articulate things so that you're not perceived uh, in a certain way that's negative. So absolutely, home becomes the only safe place oftentimes where I can unload some of this stuff. And if I don't mm-hmm. do it in a way that's very healthy, that is very, um, you know, uh, appropriate, uh, then it comes out as just sort of eruptions and and, and sort of a, a consistent, you know, um, um, negative outpouring um, um, to my spouse, to my children and all over my family. Um, and it's not necessarily something that I mean to do, um, but it just becomes so burdensome. And, and so absolutely that that becomes the norm in the household. And so the kids know that, you know, it's time to get out of dad's way or. Mm-hmm or you got to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And they don't know exactly what the struggle is, but they do know that, you know, bits and pieces of it are related to, you know, his experience, you know, in the world, trying to just make a life for, uh, for the family. And so I think that you're absolutely right, Betty, it does wear down emotionally, and it begins to just tear down, the fabric of the family.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's also, I think it's just, a, it makes it even more difficult because it's almost as if black people I'm going to speak about specifically since that's the race I know better than any <laughs> other, that we are almost, um, shamed into, not being able to express those emotions the way we want to, because to to really say how we feel is to, you know, you're the angry black woman or you're the angry, angry black, black man. Right. And mm-hmm. so now you're that threat that everybody already, well, that they already anticipate our white counterparts already anticipate. And so now in their minds, they're justified in treating you. It's almost like this vicious cycle, it mm. is a vicious you know? Cycle. Yeah. That you can't break this thing because the very behavior that you're trying to avoid, they're evoking it in you. And then when you have that behavior, then you're kind of, you know your label you're right absolutely you're yeah uh, i think it was malcolm x who talked about the hate that hate produced mm. so you know there's mm-hmm. this hatred that's you know cast upon us as black americans but when we act out as a regard of that in a hateful way then now we're the ones who are saying you know uh kind of being the ones accused of being the hateful ones and mm. and so i just think that that cycle really does uh impact how we move and have our being in this society
1: Absolutely. And Betty, and do you remember, I don't know if you had this narrative in your house, but I was always taught that I had to really work hard. I had to be right. the best. I had to make sure that even if I had good grades, they had to be great grades mm-hmm. because being a black woman, You know, I had to really stand out that way, either academically or whether it was sports, whatever it was, I had to really shine and outshine even to get noticed, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that creates all of the stressors and all of this trauma because I'm pushing myself constantly, never letting, it's like relentless, you know? And so it's constantly on my mind. I'm going to bed thinking about what I need to do to outshine this person or be the best, And so that was some of the narratives that I had, like you have to do this in order to push through the ceiling that's placed right above my head. Mm -hmm. And that creates so much stress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, my previous, uh, Uh, One of my previous episodes, uh, my uh, guest, Jim Smith Jr. spoke about what you just spoke about, Reese, in terms of code switching and not being your authentic self. Mm. He did his dissertation on that. And he was talking about how, you know, he walked this very fine line. He's a speaker, an author, a coach, a trainer, all these things. And he's on an international stage. But he was, you know, walking this very fine line of not expressing himself fully because he didn't want to alienate his white clients. And now all of a sudden he's just become woke, right? (laughs) He's like, Mm -hmm. I'm wearing my Black Lives Matter t-shirts and my mask and my whole thing, right? And he was saying how he was faced with so much venom just from wearing a simple t-shirt from people, but he's just not going to mask himself anymore. You know, and I put that in air quotes, he's going to be his authentic self. If he has a view or an opinion about something, he doesn't want to, you know, downplay it just to make somebody else feel
2: comfortable good yeah. for him. Good yeah.
1: For, him for standing up for himself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And, I, and I think that that is so important because that, that is him taking his voice back, right? All the things that I just talked about, uh, what that impact is, that emotional impact of, discrimination and oppression and being mar- marginalized, right? He's now saying, you know what? I'm going to take my voice back. I'm going to be heard. And if people have a, a, a challenge with that, or they are frustrated, or perhaps it changes their perception of me, well, you know, so be it. Um, but that, that, that is uh, the, the price of not speaking up and being my authentic and genuine, uh, genuine self is way too too high of a price to pay. So um, so claiming his power back, um, doing something with that anger so that it does not turn into destructive rage, yeah. does not turn into depression and anxiety where he's not able to live out his God given potential as a man. I, I, I salute him and I applaud anyone, a uh, person of color, a marginalized group, anyone who says, you know what, I'm not going to be quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say what I need to say. And, you know, I personally believe that there's a lot to, uh, a lot of value in saying what you say in a very powerful, strong, uh, unapologetic way, but you don't have to be nasty. You don't yeah. have to be- Right. right. you're sacrificing your morals and- you And know, stepping outside of your yeah, true character. There's absolutely. no reason to do that. And that's a choice, but I choose that if I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak very uh, affirmatively. I'm that's going true. to speak very um, uh, definitively Um, But I'm not going to step outside of my character, Mm -hmm. use language that I wouldn't use normally, and I'm going to stay consistent with honoring who I am as a person as I express myself. That's
0: right. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, Then we're talking about all the external factors that can cause people to feel a certain way, uh, you know, in this world when they feel like they're being oppressed or discriminated against. What about the internal pressures? Can we, uh, can all of this prejudice and bias and discrimination promote self-hate? And, when, and, I, and I'm talking about not just within a person where I start looking at myself differently because somehow somebody else has made me feel inferior. I'm also looking at within the Black community.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And all, a lot of this, Betty, um, comes from um, our historical experience, right? As, um, as a group, African Americans, as descendants of, of our forefathers that came through the, the chattel slavery system here in the United States, right? There, there is definitely a, uh, a lingering self-hatred mm-hmm. that we still have to struggle with to this day. And so I think when we still see uh, in our media, in advertising, and movies, Mm -hmm. and pop culture, Mm -hmm. you know, messages that are subliminal and not so subliminal. Mm -hmm. um, It it tells us over and over again that you are less than, that you're not as valuable, you're not as worthy, you're not as smart, you're not as pretty, you're not, all of these things still exist. And And I think that, absolutely, and I think the sad, the the, the most sad part and the most, uh, the, the The biggest tragedy is, is is I think what you were initially saying is even within our own group, even within our own families, mm-hmm. you know there's these certain lingering vestiges of slavery you know mm-hmm. the whole mentality. The, the whole you know um, colorism colorism and, you know, I was thinking oh, that. My- Oh, my yes. goodness. And mm-hmm. good hair. Good hair versus. Oh, my. Yes. Right? The good hair, <laughs> And, and, and the, 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 the skin, the fair, you know, the brighter mm-hmm. you are, the lighter the you paperback. are. Yeah. The brown paperback. All of these things still stay with us. Yeah. And it is goes back to, you know, uh, the uh, the Willie Lynch approaches to psychologically enslaving people by breaking them down through turning them against one another. Mm-hmm. And that still lingers to this day. And so we see it in the African-American families. I see it in my own family and I, and I see it over the years, how there were certain favored cousins and certain favored aunties and the lighter skin kids got this more and got mm-hmm. to do this more. I mean, it's just so prevalent. And then when you hear other um, of my brothers and sisters that they had similar experiences in their family. And oh, yeah, you know that it wasn't just my family. Oh,
1: no, there's a um, really popular document document um, documentary out right now. I think it's on own mm-hmm. and it definitely talks about the colorism. I want to say that's the name of it, Yeah, but it's pretty profound. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is not just your family. It's not just my family. This was planted in the hearts of our ancestors generations ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it still plays out to this very day in our language and our actions. And it's unfortunate that some of us, not all of us, a lot of us are very woke <laughs> I heard right. that earlier, but some of us still carry that crab barrel mentality mm-hmm. where when we see someone else doing something, it almost creates this contempt in us, not just the jealousy, but almost like I've got to outshine them or bring mm-hmm. them down. When that's not what it's about, we need to celebrate, you know, our differences and Mm -hmm. all the various colors. We need to celebrate when someone achieves something and does well and wins something. We should be so excited about that. But instead, we're thinking, well, that should have been me or I got to do that now. And that's not really the approach we need to take. And again, once again, that's causing stressors in our communities, self-hate. All of this plays out on our psyche, which affects our health, which leads to disease and chronic illness. All mm-hmm. of these things are connected, Betty. It's they all definitely circular. are. Yes, yes. And, yes. and a
2: lot of this was 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 you know really brought to light by, um, you know, um, I think it's Dr. Joy Degruy who, who came up with the post-traumatic slave syndrome, mm. and that theory is based on the ongoing uh, generational effect of slavery. And one of those things is directly related to this, this self hatred, right. And so, um, you know, it, it, and there was an example in one of her books where she talks about how, you know, when the slave master, the overseer would come around, Mm -hmm. and maybe a mother would be there in the field with one of their young children, because there was always this lingering threat or fear of their child being taken away from them and sold off, that they would always respond to any comments about their child in a negative vein and so if there was even like uh, a comment of oh man that young man uh miss sarah is looking he's growing up to be a strong fine young man then the response is not you know, yes, he's doing great. He's growing easy. He really is. We're very proud of him. Mm -hmm. Oh no, he's kind of listless and he's lazy. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of devaluing him out of fear that he might be sold off because he now is a commodity. He's not a child. Right. And so we learned that that is an adaptive behavior for survival. Mm. And so a lot of this self-hatred that has been, um, um, promoted through years of prejudice and years of the uh, lingering impact of of the institution of slavery. It is very, very real. And so we have a hard time with being able to have a way of expressing ourselves and seeing ourselves in a consistently positive light. And so self-esteem becomes a very precious and oftentimes fleeting thing we can't really hold on to it mm-hmm. even within our own families you know don't be don't think you're too cute or don't think you're <laughs> right. too smart or you got mm-hmm. more sense oh, than who anybody does she think she who is? do you think you are mm-hmm.
0: yeah that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. yeah well i'm that that's it saddens me but it is the reality of what we face every day so mm-hmm. i want to when we come back from the break turn that whole flip that whole thing around because this whole it's about radiance and resilience so how do we overcome how do we bounce back okay so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back i want you to give us some ideas around how we can take care of ourselves and see ourselves in a more positive way we'll be back on radiance and resilience awesome Everyone wants to go to work in an environment where they feel respected and accepted for the great work they do. Unfortunately, there are environments where minorities feel discriminated against and treated unfairly, even as they are underrepresented in their workplaces. They face microaggressions and bias from bosses and coworkers. For those who carry these actions out unconsciously, they often offend without realizing it. Part of great leadership is creating a workplace where everyone feels appreciated and accepted, but it takes work and education around diversity, equity, and inclusion matters to get there. All companies could benefit from development in these areas, and taking the time to invest in your employees' growth in diversity matters is a great way to do business. At Sharper Development Solutions, we're happy to help you make your organization a place of high productivity and fairness, and an all-around great place to work. Call us today at 803-622-4511 to set up a consult. We're back on Radiance and Resilience. I'm speaking with the Palmers of Palmer uh, Counseling. They have done a fantastic job in helping us to look at the emotional aspects of discrimination. And before we went to break, Reese, I was talking to you about some ideas around how we can take care of ourselves since we know the damage that it can do how do we protect ourselves against this you know this this venomous behavior that can attack us on a daily if we're not careful how do we take care of us and keep ourselves mentally stable
2: yeah i think i think the first and foremost betty is i think of you know healing can only take place within the confines of safe spaces right um, so, so the first thing that I think of is how do we deal with this? How do we care for ourselves? Well, I think one of the ways we do that is to find a safe communities uh, and safe um, uh, communities consisting of folks that are like-minded individuals uh, that are affirming to us, uh, that affirm our value intrinsically. Uh, that can be within our own families and extended families that can be within our spiritual families, our church homes, that can be within our civic groups or fraternal organizations, anywhere we can have these conversations openly and they are safe to have those types of conversations. I think it's really, really important that, um, that we find those spaces. And of course, you know, that's what uh, that we had in mind when uh, Valisa and I uh, started Palmer Counseling and Consulting to create a safe space for folks to talk about these types of things um, in a way that is open, where they can be transparent and they can be genuine and they don't have to hold back. And again, we do our best to make sure that we inspire hope Mm -hmm. so that people can then regain their voice, regain their sense of power and be able to have a healthy, positive self image. So those are the, some of the ways that I think external to yourself that you can help to uh, take care of yourselves and to be um, healthier and, and, and more um, finding more peace despite all of the turmoil that we see going on with racial equality and things of that nature. But, Valisa, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we talk about as far as individual self-care and some of those basic things that people can do?
1: Absolutely, because with our self-care, Betty, we have to understand that the work that we do, even against um, anti-racism, you know, that's emotional work. It's something that, um, over time, each of us has developed our own beliefs and experiences as it pertains to racism. And whenever we experience these things in the world, they're going to cause some sort of trauma, whether it's personally, or whether it's like I talked about before that vicarious trauma, where you're seeing the George Floyd's of the world and the Breonna Taylor's, you know, these things have an effect on us. And that's also creating that that stress that's coming and affecting our world we may not have experienced it ourselves personally but it angers us because maybe we've experienced just a piece of it so when we talk about self-care we're actually making sure that we're planning for self-care this is not just something that we're adding and we're creating more stress in our lives like I've got to work out I've got to go here this is something that we're taking a healthy look at our lives and we're making sure that we're planning for, for days to take care of ourselves. We're making sure we're getting enough sleep. We're making sure that our schedule's not overbooked. We're making sure that we say, no, we let our yes be our yes, Mm -hmm. our no be our no that we're making sure that we're not overburdening ourselves because we cannot take on the entire world. We can battle, but let's stay in our own lanes. Mm-hmm. So let's make sure, like for me as a mom, let's make sure that I communicate to my children how they're supposed to respond to these types of situations, how we're supposed to um, not just react, mm-hmm. but to make sure that we're protecting ourselves and creating good boundaries, healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't self-care doesn't look the same for everyone. It's not just getting my hair and my nails done. It, it has to do with Making sure that we schedule our diet is so important, Betty. We, Mm -hmm. Reese and I, have really been taking a very, very honest look at our diet. We're on this little anti-inflammatory thing where we're removing a lot of things that are just no good for us. But that is what's working for us. We're making sure that we're managing what we buy and what we give our children and that it's healthy we're drinking lots of water mm-hmm. that is so cleansing because what happens in our body it's like our body remembers and this, there's a really great book called the body keeps the score mm. every, every single thing that happens to us all the experiences all of the, um, traumas. the traumas that we've experienced our body again at the cellular level remembers this mm-hmm. so we have to understand that we have to have outlets and we have to be very careful. I don't know if you're familiar with that study, ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Mm-mm. But if somebody um, looked that up and, and Google, it's just basically a study that was done over 30 years ago. Kaiser
2: Permanente.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. with that particular study, do you want to talk about
2: that? Race? Yeah. Kaiser Permanente, the insurance company, they were looking at different effects on um, the the amount of sick time that employees take. And they were trying to understand what are some of the factors that relate to you know, um, you know, a reduction in productivity just because someone's getting ill a lot or they're out of missing a lot of work. And so they actually started to look at some of these, you know, lifestyle impacts, but also it went deeper and further into experiences from your childhood right. and how it creates a very specific, unfortunately, trajectory at, as you grow older, mm. that you have higher risk for certain medical illnesses. Yeah. And so, Things like, you know, whether or not you were in a home where there was um, violence or uh, whether you were in a home or whether your parents was incarcerated, yeah. um, whether you were in a home where any of your parents suffered from mental health or any type of substance um, abuse problems. Or you
1: were personally um, mm-hmm. abused, molested, or physically, mm-hmm. physically abused. Mm-hmm. abused yourself. So if you were a witness to this or whether it personally happened to you, it's a very short assessment. It's 10 questions.
2: So the higher the score that yeah. you have, yeah. the higher risk that you have for some of these lifelong medical conditions, mm-hmm. diabetes, cancer, cancer, those stroke. types of things.
1: And so there was a very direct, just like we said, a correlation between your, your childhood experiences. And later on, the disease that you develop, this disease that you develop as an adult, Mm. especially as an older adult. So if you take a look at that or if you do a self-assessment, again, the higher you get to the 10, that's the higher risk that you take on for developing these things. So so the good news is, is that you are able to interrupt that cycle, Betty, Mm -hmm. you're able to come in and, you know, like we talked about with the self care and making sure that you have proper boundaries and you have protective factors in place. Mm -hmm. And these are very important for us to make sure that we reclaim our lives, reclaim our health, um, you know, um, cover our children, Mm you're making sure that we cover our spouse and making sure that we don't allow these things into our home for us big big thing is prayer and making sure that we share all these um, values these core values with our children yeah you are able to um, meditate maybe do some yoga Um, we love tapping that's a very cool it's called EFT emotional freedom tapping so if anyone's listening want you to Google that. One of my favorite apps is called The Tapping Solution, and many of them are free. I think there's about 30 free. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of them centered around coronavirus right now. Mm -hmm. My favorite is anxiety, the tapping I do with my clients. Um, It's about a nine to 10-minute exercise. You sit. It's very reflective, Mm -hmm. very calming, and it is... Um, direct from your nerve type of response, your nervous system system type of response and Hmm. and how you breathe through these types of situations. So when you're feeling that anxiety and you're in a moment of stress, you tap, you breathe, you simply breathe in and breathe out.
2: And one of the things that I do in in a lot of the work that I do with our clients who are really struggling with anxiety or even PTSD, uh, depression, is is um, something called controlled breathing. Mm-hmm. and controlled breathing or belly breathing yeah. uh, is very well researched to help um, to be able to manage anxiety uh, and even depression symptoms. So controlled breathing, deep breathing from the diaphragm, yeah. um, also progressive. progressive muscle relaxation, where I teach clients how to uh, progressively, Um, tense, and then relax each major Mm. muscle group in their body. Mm -hmm. And then I also do something called guided imagery, where I guide them through a place where they always feel safe, where they feel peaceful, where they feel calm. And for me, it's always the beach. That's my safety. (laughs) I always visualize that. So these are the types of self-care protective factor things that you can do, whether it's um, because of discrimination and racial bias. Or any of the life stressors that come upon us, so that we can take care of ourselves and be more healthier emotionally.
1: One thing I wanted to mention as well that one of my personal favorites, journaling. Yeah, when you're experiencing a lot of these things, it's all mental. You know, it's a mindset. Right. And so, if we can take that from, you know, directly from the thoughts and changing those negative thoughts and just write about it. Mm-hmm. You, you may not be able to talk to someone in that moment. Other people can record themselves. A lot of people have voice memos on their phone. You can record what happened to you, just as long as you're talking it through and letting it out. You may not want to sit in counseling, which is a great thing to do, mm-hmm. but you may want to just write it down and jot it down, journal it out. Sometimes some people want to rip it up or ball it up and throw it out. Whatever you need to do to get it out of your head,
0: mm-hmm
1: out of, out into, you know, out of yourself, I should say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that's what I really appreciate about having both of you in practice together because of course we have different perspectives. Yes. As, um, black men and women, w- there's some common situations that occur, but you can both bring different perspectives in terms of Reese you from a man's perspective and Felicia you from a woman's perspective, because they are going to be different. But the fact that you come together, um in uni- in, uh, in unison around some of the things that we can do to overcome this. really I think, is a comfort to people, so I'm big on therapy and people having uh, the time to kind of work through and work out some of the things because we are good at just holding things in and suppressing mm, yes. and you know bottling all this stuff up until, like you said earlier, Reese, it comes out in this rage and then now mm-hmm. I can't even control myself. I don't want to be out of control, but I just can't. And my cup is full and I just yes. don't know what else to do. It's gonna have to, <laughs> you know, flow over some way, and usually it's in destructive ways. So thank y'all so much for all those excellent ideas i'm gonna go find out what this tapping is all about sounds very (laughs) interesting to me and i love that i love uh, something new and different to help ease my mind um i appreciate y'all i really do for taking the time out of your really busy schedules to share this information and so i i encourage all of our listeners to pay attention to this Play this over and over and over again if you need to, because there's good information in it around getting ourselves more solid in the way we feel about things and how we handle those. And so thank you, um, Reese and Valisa Palmer of Palmer uh, Counseling and Consulting. Call them up, too, if you need some time (laughs) on the couch. Yes. (laughs) They're happy to have
2: you there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are
1: so excited to be on. Thank you so much for this time. You can, at, you can reach out to us at palmercouncil.com. Mm-hmm. So that's P-A-L-M-E-R-C-O-U-N-S-E-L.com. That's Where
2: hope, hope is the an anchor, anchor of, of the, the soul. soul.
0: Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much. God bless. And I will talk to y'all on the next time. Hope you'll be back. God yes, bless ma'am. you too, Thanks, Betty. Betty. Thank you. All right. Leadership development is an essential part of doing good business. In order to lead productive teams, reduce costly turnover, and create a workplace that people love to come to every day, leaders need to have the skills to build relationships and establish culture. Those skills include strategic planning and thinking, managing conflict, engaging employees, and supporting cohesive and collaborative teams. Mastering these skills lead to high productivity and profits. At Sharper Development Solutions, we help develop your leaders through training and coaching. Give us a call today at 803-622-4511 to see how we can customize a training program for you.